we got to change sometime. I don't want to change, man. I like who I am. I like who you are, too, but look at that, you know? You don't want to believe this, but that, that ain't us up there no more, pal. We can't do that the way we did it before. We're, we're, we're changing. We're, we're, like, turning into regular people. Nah, Stallion. Baby, you think you're changing. But you can't change what you really are. And you can forget all this money and stuff you got all around you, man, because it don't change a thing. You and me, we don't even have a choice. See, we're born with a killer instinct that you can't just turn off and on like some, some radio. We have to be right in the middle of the action because we're the warriors. And without some, some challenge, without some damn war to fight, then the warrior may as well be dead, Stallion. Stand by my side this one last time. Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. Matt, let's try and break into the algorithm this week and go viral. You ready? Here we go. At the Grammys this past Sunday, Tay-Tay herself, Miss Taylor Swift, announced her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, dropping on April 19th. Throughout the show, Matt and I will be dropping tidbits about the new album with a full discussion in its production and an early listen to her first single, her cover of Tracy Chapman's Turn Right Back Around. That'll be at the end of the show, though, so you're going to have to you know listen to the whole show, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift fans, every one of you. Yeah. And then uh, there'll also be some brief talk about the latest film from the twisted, air quotes, mind of Matthew Vaughn, uh, Argyle. And then there's a different kind of possession film. Where we're going to discuss the Shutter original, Suitable Flesh. We'll keep cruising because we can't stop, won't stop moving, as we reveal the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out 2023, now that it is February, with our five favorite films of the year, that year being 2023. So just think, Matt, while you're getting down about the liars and the dirty, dirty cheats of the world, you could be getting down to this sick beat. It's another episode of The First Run. Let's hear a clip from Argyle. Who told you that we were coming? Who? You don't answer. You're going to be the same temperature as my coffee right now. Which, thanks to you, is ice cold. Food. You and I, we're not so different. You're a terrorist. Then what, Agent Argyle? Does that make you? Wow, that's a great question. I, I've been thinking about that since I watched this film, Matt. What is Argyle all about? So Argyle is the fictional protagonist of a series of spy novels uh, written by, uh, I believe her name is L. Played by Ray Styles Howard. Ellie, but sure. Ellie, sure. Okay, fine. And essentially, uh, another spy or a man claiming to be a spy shows up and tells her that her books are so close to life that they're predicting real life spy events. And there are all kinds of uh, shadowy spy and for, of spy. Uh, <laughs> I said spy way too many times. Spy organizations out to get her, to get a hold of her newest manuscript so they can see what's next in the espionage world makes no sense on its surface 
No, no, it doesn't. And I will say one thing that's good about us finally getting to watch Argyle, Matt, is we don't have to watch that goddamn trailer ever again. True. That and also, did you know that's a Bob Marley movie coming out? I hadn't I've heard. seen that trailer <laughs> for about th- six months now, mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. week. Yeah. And I was seeing this Argyle one too all the time. And I can't come up probably with a better definition, Matt, of the term a hat on a hat, on a hat, on a hat, mm-hmm. on a hat, mm-hmm. on a hat, on a hat, on a hat, on a hat, on a hat. What were your thoughts on Argyle? Do we have a new spy action comedy franchise uh or no 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 no, we do not (laughs) finn move on to the next segment matthew vaughn movies generally they kind of live and die by the kind of uh juxtaposition of the humor versus the extreme violence and i think in his most successful films that's where those work whether that's the kingsman or, or kick ass that's kind of this is much more sanitized, much more watered down. So then all you're left is with the air quotes humor and bloodless action scenes. And when you kind of couple this with uh, a Bryce Dallas Howard who seems out of her depth, a Henry Cable who's really phoning it in, uh, John Cena seems game, and, and so does uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, game enough. But then when you tack on the fact that this thing is excruciatingly. 140 minutes long that's when this thing really starts to kind of fall apart and it's just a whole lot of nothing that with the twists and turns that at some point it's just been going on for so long that i just don't care anymore yeah it's first off one of the first trailers was from the twisted mind of matthew vaughn i think we talked about this in a prior show too that a lot of the stuff that he's been adapt he's done is our adaptions of existing properties right now, is this the most, I think I saw this online, the, the most Matthew Vaughn film of all time? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I think at some point, someone's got to tell our buddy here just to tap the brakes a little bit. First up, too, how, it's not, it's PG-13, like Matt said, so it's really oddly sanitized. It's, I mean, the action is there for the most part, but it doesn't have the intensity and the, in the kind of, I don't, know, I don't even want to say breakneck kind of violence, because even the kingsman films aren't really that the first one made with that church shootout was pretty intense right but i don't know and the king's kick ass too i it's i don't know i just feel like that he has an outsized reputation for the uh, films he's produced and their their quality and enjoyment level i think he's a i don't know middling to fair director mm-hmm. that seems to have this escalated or at least maybe he he does, or is the marketing department maybe wants to project that he does. I, I I don't know, but there is just a bunch of this stuff, Matt, that is just frustrating. So, like you said, the opening, the plot, that her books are somehow foretelling the future, and when we finally get the reveal, I was so angry that I wanted to pull like an inglorious bastards thing <laughs> and just burn the theater down. But here's the weird thing: is once we shift and we we jettison all the BS part of this stuff i think it actually gets pretty interesting and i Mm -hmm. think it works i think sam rockwell is great in this yeah i like but i just generally like sam rockwell and everything he does yeah me too so uh i i had i had fun with him in that role in this role which is fine but it's the other thing too is that every time he starts to get me back on board a little bit then he just blows it all up again i get stabbed in the back because we have this ridiculous smoke bomb dance fight scene i hated that i hated that so much 
and then the skating, uh, which scene I hated as well. almost almost as much. I think I hated the dancing more, but I, I really hated the skating scene as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And at that point, I was basically done with the film. And it's very frustrating because I said there's a portion of it that I think is entertaining and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to have seen maybe a more straight, a more straightforward franchise or at least action movie that kind of deals with the plot elements here, even though they're plot elements we've seen a dozen, dozen, dozen times. Yeah. But still, the setup and how convoluted and dumb it is, it just doesn't, it doesn't work at all. And I, I feel like I, I could, I would pull out the cool stuff that I liked, it's probably would out of the almost two and a half hour runtime would probably amount up to 45 minutes. Right. And I'd give that like a good B. Sure. Right. But the rest of it, it's just, I don't know. And I don't know if I was just more angry at myself that I didn't figure out what the big mystery was at the mm -hmm. very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, he, it just, there's so many twists and turns. And then did you stay through the, Post the the credit sequence is right as the credits start. They run for about a minute and a half, mm -hmm. and then there's uh, another scene. No, I got up. That totally blows the whole film up again. Oh, done it. Okay, all right. Oh my god. So I'll, I'll just spoil it for you because it's so infuriating. So the movie ends with supposedly an actual argyle, mm -hmm. right? Right. Showing up with this really weird Southern accent and a and a and a uh, uh, what do they call it? Not a what do you call it? The this in the front, front in the back. A mullet. A mullet. A mullet. Yeah. A mullet. Thank yeah. you. I knew it was an M, but I couldn't pull the word. It. It's a Kingsman movie. Right. Right. There's a kid walks okay. into a bar, has a conversation with a bartender, and outside the bar, there's a flag that's got the Kingsman symbol, and it's the Kingsman pub or something like that. Okay. And he introduces himself as, I can't remember what it was now, something Argyle. Okay. So I don't know if that's Henry Cable's character who actually does exist. Yeah. And he actually started as a Kingsman spy. And yeah. means, I don't I don't know. And then it shows that the the first book, there's a movie based on the first book, which is based on the Kingsman, him as a kid becoming I don't know. So I Vaughn supposedly wants these two universes to 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 meet at some point. Okay. Where the Kingsman is like the left side and this is the right side. And there's also a third organization that supposedly is in the middle. By the way, that he may try and so where does well. the statesman come into this? I I don't know. <laughs> it's just so it's so infuriating the whole thing, Matt. And then as you also know that Matthew Vaughn uh, directed a film while filming this in the background called Project X, featuring Sam Rockwell who plays mm -hmm. a spy with Chris Hemsworth, and it's some secret spy genre film that. He, I don't know, he announced it this month that he directed this as well. Okay. So I'm wondering if this is like a, a side adventure for Sam Rockwell's spy that took gotcha. place in the past or something yeah. or in the future. Who, who knows? And you know what? Here's the best part. Who cares? Right. Well, how, so if it's in the Kingman's universe, how did the bad guy from the first Kingsman end up being, looking exactly the same as Samuel L. Jackson? Who yeah, is Sam the Jackson and Sophie Boutella are in both films. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I've read, too, that he actually he spoiled this like two years ago when he first started writing or putting it together. Sure. He said that Bryce, yeah, that, yeah she plays like a spy who da, 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 lost her memory. Yeah. I guess I've just spoiled it for you, too. Sure. It's fine. It's fine. So, but it's, but nobody caught on. It was like that. It was like the, well, no, no one's going to know that reference. Never mind. <laughs> But no, when Bowie did his last album, did did his comeback album the next day. Yeah. Uh, uh, Robert Fripp, uh, like in, in a podcast interview, said, "Yeah, Bowie asked me to play in his new album, but I, I I just turned him down. I didn't I didn't feel like I had time to do it. Yeah. And then nobody 
caught on that there gotcha. was new. So when the album dropped, it was like a surprise. Even gotcha. though he, he he spoiled that like three four months ahead of time. Anyway, yeah, no, it's just I don't know. It's it's very frustrating. I'm not a D plus C minus right now. Sure, because there are the parts of it that I enjoyed, but it's just such a frustrating experience. Uh, it, I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna be nice and say. It's a C minus. I mean, I think Vaughn is so self-satisfied with himself that he's created his own personal Dutch oven that he can lock himself in and enjoy the smell of his own emissions over and over again. That's kind of what this film was like for me. Mm-hmm. But there's enough there that I kind of enjoyed it. And Sam Rockwell's always a blast. So uh, C minus. Yeah, I'm going to go with C minus too. There was a lot that I didn't like about it and the stuff that I didn't like, I really, really didn't like. But there were times in this movie that I enjoyed it well enough. And I feel like there's a kernel of something worthwhile here. He just uh, got buried under this kind of uh, indulgent passion project director too much. Yeah, yeah fine. Matthew Vaughn, just out of control. Someone needs to stop this, man. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, it's currently in theaters. Uh, sorry that I, I ruined it for you. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know if I'd rush out to the theater to see this. That's for sure. There you go. All right, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, Matt. Getting its release in 4K. I know you're excited about this one. Actually, I gotta say, it's got a pretty cool-looking steelbook that it looks like an old-school Walkman. That should give you a little nice a little hint. I haven't heard from you for a while. When was it? Thursday? I was angry. You were angry. I was not. Yes, you were. If you weren't, you would have asked me what was wrong. You knew. Ariel, I cannot let this dance happen. Ren McCormick made a lot of people stop and think. I object to that kind of music, and I think you know why. Because people fornicate to it. I never said that. That's what you told the church board. That was not meant for your ears. Well, when do my ears get old enough, Daddy? When do you stop protecting me? I'm no saint, you know? It is my duty to look after the spiritual growth of you. I'm not even a virgin. Don't you talk like that in here! Why not? Isn't this why I'm supposed to confess my sins to my preacher? In church! Everybody, cut loose. <laughs> Foot loose is being released in 4K this upcoming Tuesday. And you can pick that up, as I said, as a steel book, uh, which looks like a Walkman, which I thought is actually pretty cool looking. I don't that think is, it's a site exclusive anywhere. That is a wild film. Like the fact that who was the, the the actress who played that was just on that was just speaking there? As Lori Singer, right? Lori Singer. So Lori Singer gets the crap beat out of her multiple times, and no one seems That's to give right. a shit. Her boyfriend, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. like physically abusive with her. Even even Kevin Bacon doesn't seem to give a shit. Just gives her this look like, oh, you must have gotten lippy. But at the same time, she's <laughs> certifiably insane, especially like towards like the end of the of the. She's like. Like during the dance scenes and stuff, she looks like she's having a manic episode. So it's it's a wild film. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I haven't watched it in a very long time, but uh, yeah, we no, watched it for some marathon a few years ago. Did we? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm a hundred percent positive we watched it I'm, for a marathon. I'm, I must have blacked out. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I know we did like what eighties does it still hold up type of a thing. Yeah, I, Footloose I, was one. Foot, Footloose was one of those films. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the game of chicken to I Need a Hero on a tractor that's going like five miles per hour. Also hilarious. You never know, man. You never know. They could have souped it up. They modify that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. Where are we? Number five. Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, Matt, is back on physical media after being out of print for a very long time. I have not. I've not seen it. 
No? In fact, uh, that first album is still holds up. I it listened does. to it a couple months ago. Yeah. And it is still, it rocks and it's still hilarious. But uh, if you're a fan of the Pick of Destiny, you can pick it up again on physical media. What else we got here? Four! My, I'm looking at this now. My my release is kind of all screwed up, so I'm just going to add stuff. So I'm going to say four is uh, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's the latest one with Rachel Zegler and, I don't know, some other people. And it's a prequel to the original uh, Hunger Games series. Uh, did you catch up with the uh, latest Hunger Games movie? I Was did not see it, no. First Run Junior, not a... Okay. No, not into it yet. All right, well, there's a steel book uh, that comes with an exclusive poster if you want to buy it from uh, Walmart, if you're a big uh, Hunger Games aficionado. Where are we, Matt? Three? Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with the Marvels. The not-a-disaster uh, Nia DaCosta film mm-hmm. that's still kind of blah, but enjoyable enough, I think, is being released. There is a Walmart steel book. Disney Movie Club has a special edition version of it, but I could find no information on it whatsoever. Uh, includes a Dolby Atmos audio track on the 4K, but of course it's Disney, so no Dolby Vision. Audio commentary with uh, DaCosta, two featurettes, four deleted scenes, and a gag reel. The two Utes. Uh, uh, to what? Uh, what was that word? Criterion is putting out Eric Romer's Tales of the Four Seasons, Matt. You can get a tale summertime, winter, summer, and autumn. All brand new 2K restorations, new interviews, excerpts from old radio interviews, a documentary from 2005 on the making of a tale of summer, and then two short films by Romer, A Farmer in Montfalcon and The Grutzer Sonata. Uh, so if you're a fan of uh, Romer's Tales of Four Seasons, you can pick up this box set on Blu-ray from Criterion. And then where are we at? Number one. There can be only one. I guess I'm going to go with uh, Priscilla, Sofia Coppola's latest film uh, uh-huh. about the uh, uh, Sofia about Priscilla Presley and her life at Graceland behind the scenes with Elvis when she's a kid, and I do mean that term, kid, uh, and then with Elvis in her life. So I heard mixed reviews about Priscilla. I'm a Sofia Coppola fan, so I'd still like to check it out at some point. But now you can pick it up, Matt, on physical media. Very good. What else we have? Uh, 4K releases. We talked about Footloose. Uh, Harriet is being released in 4K, which is an Oscar-nominated film about, what, two, three years ago. Ticket to Paradise, George Clooney, Jennifer, Jennifer, Julia Roberts movies being released in 4K. Uh, Universal Classics Monsters Collection. There was a limited edition that was announced at the same time when the first one was supposed to come out, which is uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, and um, I'm blanking on the fourth one. I think it was The Invisible Man. But it had a cool, like, illustrated like case okay. it was like designed a little differently but there's some production delays and it just it was shelled basically for over a year well now it's actually out so if you wanted to pick up that version of it i'll tell you though both sets were available at least at the time of this recording for 35 bucks for uh those films is, is a deal volume one and two and two okay. you get uh the mummy which is my personal favorite and uh bride of frankenstein creature of the black lagoon phantom of the opera and i think there's one more actually in that set so you can get that. And then finally, the Columbia Classics. I think it's volume three. These are all 4K releases for the first time. His Girl Friday, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Kramer vs. Kramer, Starman, the John Carpenter film, Starman, the series included in HD, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, Punch Truck Love, and uh, yeah, that's it. So those are all 4K in this new Columbia Classics set. Nice. You're straight to DVD pick of the week, Mac. I'm going to go with Karate Ghost 2. Karate Ghost is back, haunting the dojo of death. This martial arts monster is luring big-breasted sorority girls to their doom. <laughs> Only a man of action named Nick Laser can save the day. 
But first, he has to fight undead mutant entities in the spirit world before he can destroy the Karate Ghost. It's the only way Nick can bring balance back to the universe. Can Nick Laser stop the Karate Ghost? Or will this Jujutsu Geist Karate Chop the world in half? Man, I haven't seen a straight-to-DVD pick that was just mwah, chef's kiss perfect for that <laughs> segment in a long time. What should we be streaming this week? Well, I don't know if it's a good movie, but it's a new movie, and at least it looks good. But uh, you can check out uh, John David Washington in the sci-fi, air quotes, epic, The Creator, available on Hulu. It is about a future where humanity is fighting a war against uh, robots and AI, and uh, John David Washington takes it upon himself to protect a what it proves to be an important version of AI. Yeah, and really exciting stuff. That man is just a... He is a ball of charisma. Her- yes, inherited every last bit of his father's charisma and then some. <laughs> so I want to talk briefly, Matt, about uh, my Megacon trip. I was actually at oh, Megacon please. Orlando over sure. the last weekend. Uh, and I did go to Disney, too, as well. I got to do my uh, my Star Wars park, which yeah. I've been very excited about. But first, okay. Megacon, I did get the Alyssa Milano autograph picture combo. And I will send you the picture. It is possibly one of the worst photos I've ever taken of me, ever. <laughs> Okay. So Fantastic. when I looked at it afterwards, I was like, oh God, no. But I guess that's that's how it goes. And then uh Keith David, I sat in on his topic. He was only there for one day. I only had the yeah. weekend. Yeah. It was one day Megacon, one day Disney. Very nice guy. Lots of Q and A, lots of good questions. I wanted to wait in line for him, and that's the thing too that I didn't appreciate. When I went to San Diego Comic Con back in ninety eight, yeah. uh very different experience to what the com- now it's more about celebrities, I guess, and all that kind of. They yeah. had the Back to the Future cast there in its entirety. The Princess Bride was there, obviously, without Andrew the Giant, but like big names there. The Charmed cast. Alyssa was date was Friday. Holly Marie Combs and Rose McGowan were Saturday. Okay. Um, and Shannon Doherty, I should say, was there too. But one thing I hate about myself is I, I one thing I don't like is that I get nervous around celebrities, especially like Alyssa Milano, which. Anybody knows me as my first sure. celebrity crush. It just it was a big deal for me to to meet her. Wonderful woman, uh, but I felt like I felt really weird the whole time. Like it was one of those almost out of body experience type things for me. Where I even tried to psych myself ahead of, up ahead of time, like just be normal. She's just a normal person, a little weird maybe, but still a normal person like everybody else. <laughs> just really rich and successful, and has a lot of weird guys like me who are uh, big fans of hers. But. <laughs> It's the lines. Like, so I wanted to get in line for Keith David having signed my thing 4K. Yeah. And there were, so there's a, there's a gold, ex, like a premium experience you can pay where it's a lot more money and you can go up kind of the front of the line, like right. a larger queue. And then there's another line. And I averaged it. I waited in line for an hour and a half and I barely moved. Right. And then I saw, all right, so let me see. He's taking about five minutes per person. Yeah. I did a quick count. There were 60 something people ahead of me. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to be standing here for three and a half hours. Right. I'm not right. doing that. So I abandoned it. Now, the Alyssa Milano thing worked out for me because there was also, she had massive lines too, mm-hmm. but I actually went to, near it at the end. I just gambled. I yeah. said, I'm going to go at the end of the day. Maybe the line will be short. And sure enough, in and out in 10 minutes. I was nice. very excited. Nice. But uh, actually more like 20. But still, it was. Uh, I was I was very happy that I, I waited that out. And then finally, the big thing for me, I got to meet Tony Harris. Nice. Who's my favorite comic artist of all time. Co-creator of, of uh, Starman, the Jack Knight Starman. And he signed my my original page, uh, comic page that I have. He signed my Zero Issue Starman. Talked to him for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Really nice guy. 
and I got some incredible news. He didn't say not to say anything, but of course, I don't, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. I guess, I don't know, hopefully I'm not blowing stuff up. Because we're going to have this big viral moment now because of Taylor Swift stuff. That's very true. Stuff to talk about. So yeah. keep tuned. Start yeah. Taylor Swift talk. They're bringing back Star, Jack Knight Starman. Oh, wow. It's nice. the 30th anniversary this year. Okay. And I guess it's going to be a six-issue limited run. Like It's going to it's supposed to drop at the end of the year. Okay. And he showed me some of his quick sketches, kind of his design stuff for it and everything. Yeah. He didn't tell me anything about the story. Yeah. But he's in it. I think Wade Von Grabinger, who was, I think was the original inker, he's, he's everybody's back. James Robinson, him. I guess the letterer is it because he passed away. Okay. But everybody else. And I, I cannot tell you how excited I am to get a new Jack Knight Starman series. Okay. So it was, it, was, it was a great time, and I was very happy I went. And then quickly at Star Wars, uh, Smuggler's Run was fun. Yeah. Rise of Resistance was fun. I didn't realize though, so how many of the rides now, Matt, are basically you just sit in a little cart and then things shift around you. Right. You don't really right. go anywhere. Yeah. Now yeah, Rise yeah. of Resistance, you do. You, you kind of get brought all around. But yeah. Again, I got my Lightning Lane for a couple of them, but I, I wasn't able to trail. The Rise of Resistance was not available as gotcha. a Lightning Lane. Okay. So I got nervous about that. And then I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait till later in the day because they tell you the peak times and it drops later on, like four or five o'clock. So I'll just go then, maybe. Yeah. And then I'm waiting and then it goes temporarily closed. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to be closed. Right. So I just, I just, I hit everything else and I just, I just stalked the, the ride for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and I just kept checking the app to see if right. it was going to be open. Right. I'm like, I'm going, I can't believe this. I came all the way out here. It's going to be closed by the time I, I'm not going to be able to ride it. And then boom, opened up 40 minute wait. Nice. And I just, bolted yeah and i got in there matt and in like for 35 40 minutes i was in the ride enjoying it nice and i got out of the ride it was up to like uh 120 minutes already yeah by that point man so i lucked out i got lucky that time you got Overall, lucky twice experience twice yeah. in one weekend you got lucky so good for you and i got the starman announcement so that's it big success great success fun weekend let's keep rolling here comes some more taylor swift talk right after we discuss uh, suitable flesh your doctors are all the same. You ask a lot of questions, but you don't like answering them. Do you? Well, have you seen a lot of other doctors? Doctors, healers, potion dealers, lots and lots of priests. Well, do they explain why this happens to you? Why you forget who you are? No, I... The devil makes me do it. I think you change personalities to escape the pain and the rage you feel because of what he did to you. And you came to save me, didn't you? My hero. What you're experiencing is called transference. You're transferring the, the feelings you couldn't express to your father, to your doctor, mm. to me. Yeah, well, I mean, Tether Graham was my doctor. I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> Matt, Suitable Flesh is an adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft short story, The Thing on the Doorstep, featuring Heather Graham, Judah Lewis, Bruce Davison, Jonathan Skage, and I want to point out Barbara Crampton, who I believe is a producer of the film as well. Uh, if, you're not if you're familiar with 80s kind of uh, independent horror, you know who Barbara Crampton is. She's a legend. And I was very excited to see that she was in this film, Matt. Basically, the, the crux of the story is that there is this young man who's seeking psychiatric help. Potentially, he feels like something, somebody, something. His father, perhaps, is trying to take over his body, take mm -hmm. his mind, and, and 
do a body swap, like a Freaky Friday, but with a horror angle on things. And uh, Heather Graham thinks he's just deeply disturbed until she gets sucked into it all herself. Now, Matt, I think this film is going to work for you if you're of a particular age. Okay. And experience certain films at a certain time. Okay. If you did not, I worry that you may not really enjoy this. So, Matt, let me ask you. Is Suitable Flesh a loving homage to a bygone era of Lovecraft horror adaptations? Or maybe is it more of a bad expanded episode of Tales from the Crypt? Ooh, that's a good question. So is it is is the is it a bygone era? I mean, we got color out of space like a couple of years ago, right? I mean, that's a yeah, but no, it's it's not so much uh, Lovecraft adaptations. It's a mid early so you, to mid eighties. So you feel like it's is this is like a return to something like Reanimator or yes, this or, is Stuart Gordon. Yeah, eighties. Lovecraft adaptation. That's sure. our window here is what we're doing. And with mm-hmm. a dusting of kind of those late night Skinamax erotic thrillers of the early nineties. Right. And, you know, right. that's kind of mixed in with this. Yeah. But yeah, that's what this is for me. Especially when you, if you have Barbara Crampton involved in producing the film, I think mm-hmm. that's definitely what we're going for here is this homage to Stuart Gordon, his, his, uh, uh, like you said, Reanimator, and then what from beyond another one that I absolutely love. You have Society, yeah, uh, which shows up as a meme every now and then. People not knowing what it's from with the guy whose face is in the butt type thing with yeah. Billy Warlock. Yeah, Matt knows what I'm talking about. So uh, <laughs> yeah, what do you what do you follow with Suitable Flesh, Matt? Yeah, so I thought overall I was I was pretty entertained by this. I think you're right. It, it definitely gives you the vibe of those kind of 80s uh, low budget, uh, high ambition horror films that uh, you know i think it's got this interesting line that it walks where it's a high concept and it's you know very nasty but at the same time it's also very you know kind of scuzzy and and low brow mm-hmm. and i i it was it was on my wavelength i enjoyed it i don't know necessarily if it's like i would call it as like on the Mount Washington or, or the Mount Rushmore of these type of films. I don't know if it re- yeah. raises to any kind of real pinnacle, but it's it's a fun time if you like those kind of movies. It's got some good gore effects, like you said, it's it's mm-hmm. t- it's got the, you know, the lost art of being needlessly titillating, you know, but not overly graphic, which is, you know, a, is something that's been lost since the 80s. So, I was completely fine with it. I thought I had a good time with it. Yeah, I am basically in the same camp. If anything, maybe I wish it would have gone a little further, mm-hmm. uh, you know, than it does. I think Stuart Gordon's work is a little more graphic and out there and gory at times and just weird. Yeah, and uh, I think it kind of stops a little short of that, unfortunately. But it felt like a rock solid expanded like episode for me of Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. That's kind of you know, or just those great. I should say great, but there's really fun, entertaining movies from the, uh, the the mid-80s, all these adaptations. So it's just as gross, weird, and a little bit of sexy as well. And uh, I think, yeah, I think it's fun. I think Heather Graham is having a blast with this, as is Barbara Crampton. I think both of them are totally game and, and really dedicated and kind of involved in the film that they're creating here. And it, I, I, I go back and forth on Judah Lewis, who plays the kid. Sure. Who plays the, the kid. Yeah. Because I think he 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 does kind of capture the, the the personality shifts as he becomes possessed and unpossessed and everything's kind of move around a little bit, uh, a little sometimes that was just a little cheesy esque, not like writing bad like I think Argyle was at times, sure, but just really leaning in and chewing as much scenery as he possibly could. That some sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. 
So uh, I, I don't know. For me, it was a nice stroll down memory lane, though, for a really important part of my youth and growing up and love for these kind of horror films. So, yeah, yeah it's it's fine. I think it's definitely worth checking out, Matt. I gave Suitable Flesh a B. I think it's uh, fun, entertaining, and a nice reminder of what was. Unfortunately, it wasn't as good as some of those other ones, but yeah. Yeah, and well, this is an episode where we're in lockstep, so I'm going to give it a B as well. I think it's it's... Grading on the curve of if, if taking it for what it is, I think it's it's a good, you know, diverting time that you'll have a, a fun, spend a fun evening watching. Absolutely. So if you've seen Suitable Flesh, it's currently streaming on Shudder. Uh, so you can check that out. We'd love to hear from you. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, we got one more section to get through mm-hmm. before we can talk about uh, Tay-Tay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have to see here. We'll be doing our top five Taylor Swift songs, I think, at the end as well. Sure, so sure. I, th- I think I can name one, which is the one I quoted <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> but let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the show, Matt, and share our five favorite films uh, of 2023. Here's one that didn't make the cut. Not because it's really good but because it's not as bad as i thought it was going to be okay and i actually had a lot more fun with it than i thought i would and in the end i was relieved and that's enough considering i just graduated in archaeology archaeology wow apple didn't fall far well now i'm researching a doctorate what's your subject the archimedes dial the Antikythera. What do you know about that? Well, for starters, in 1902, Greek sponge divers found a wrecked Roman warship, huge, off the coast of Greece. Below deck, sealed in wax, was a clock-like mechanism, finely tooled, purpose unknown. Nothing approximating its complexity appears in the world for a thousand years. You've done your homework. Well, not me. Dad. He had all these journals, reams of notes about it. He was obsessed till the end. He told me you found it on a Nazi plunder train. And then lost it in a river in the French Alps. Just lost it. He's walking down the street and just fell out of his pocket into the river, Matt. That, of course, is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. James Mangold's continuation, I guess, ending of the Indiana Jones franchise with Harrison Ford. I think a better capper uh, than Crystal Skull. Yeah. But still, we're talking tier levels. We're, we're lower, right? <laughs> it is, it but is. Uh, <laughs> it's not a disaster. So I, I was happy about that, at least. So, uh, Matt, go ahead and uh, start us off. What was your fifth favorite film of 2023? So my number five is the latest entry from legendary filmmaker Martin Scorsese with his Killers of the Flower Moon. One of my most anticipated films of 2023. It tells the story of uh, the Osage County murders that happened to the uh, Osage members of the Osage tribe who are sitting on a vast fortune of oil wealth on their reservation. And of course the powers from outside are determined to try and come in and get a hold of that oil by any means necessary. And it's a, it's a, it's a long kind of slow burning story about, you know, treachery and, uh, being dishonest and and underhanded as well at the same time as you know how that kind of all comes into play with what you want versus what you owe to people who 
you know, helped raise you or you, or, um, who you love, your family, those kinds of things. So it's a very interesting film, little lower on my, my, um, list just because it is such a, a slow moving pot boiler as it were, but it's, it's gorgeous. It's well acted. So it's definitely worth uh, top five for me. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. Well, at least it's in your, uh, it's just your five. That's great. Matt, my number five, then I'm fairly confident it's not going to be anywhere near your list. Probably not even going to make an honorable mention, mm-hmm. but, um, that's fine. That's going to be Celine Song's Past Lives, mm. the uh, romantic drama film we have uh, featuring Greta Lee and Tao Yu, uh, the two kids who grew up a little bit. They were young in South Korea and uh, in Seoul in 2000, and then she moves to actually to Toronto, not to the States, and he stays behind, and then they reconnect 12 years later, kind of rekindle their relationship, their friendship, their love for each other, but you know they're, they're half a world away. And then uh, we jump ahead 12 more years to uh, modern times. He's going to come visit her in New York. And then they basically spend a couple days together. And all the moments and interactivities between the two of them. She's now married. Uh, we see New York, as I said, during the show. We talked about it. In a nice, loving, romantic mood. Instead of the uh, the crime-ridden, immigrant-infested hellscape that you will see in some portions of the news media right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's... For me, it's this year's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I always have this one romantic, weepy kind of drama film that I fall in love with, and that this year it was Past Lives. Just a beautiful film about complicated relationships and people and their lives, and uh, I loved it. So that's my five. Yeah, you're damn right. That's not making that's not making my list. <laughs> or is it uh, even getting an honorable mention? I think I flat out said that when we were reviewing that film. So there mm-hmm. you go. But I'm glad you're happy. My number four, then, is uh, the latest entry in what is proving to be, so far, one of the great superhero trilogies, I assume, of um, with one of my favorite characters of all time. It's Across the Spider-Verse, where we continue the adventures of Miles Morales and the idea of the Spider-Verse and the kind of different versions of Spider-Man throughout uh, the multiverse. Um, it's expanded with Oscar Isaac as uh, Spider-Man uh, as Spider-Man 2099. Uh, Jake Johnson and Haley Steinfeld return with more focus on Spider-Gwen. And it's uh, maybe not quite as tight and good as the first one, but it is still very, very, very good. And I cannot wait to see how they wrap this up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, honorable mention for me, one of the better animated films I've seen in the last few years. So it's a lot of fun. So it's a good pick, Matt. My number four then is Yorgos Lanthimos is Poor Things. Uh, Emma Stone, boy, Matt's shaking his head right now. Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe. Really, uh, Dafoe is so good in this. But Emma Stone, I think, I think rightfully nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, it's just a really interesting, fascinating, weird, different take on the Frankenstein kind of mythos with also uh it's commentary on female kind of self-empowerment in regards to perhaps their own identity their sexuality though i did struggle with that part of it a little bit but still it's a really fascinating weird gorgeous film the uh set designs costuming all that stuff just really kind of beautifully out there and ornate this victorian london kind of setting of everything but with this steampunk kind of vibe to it and uh, just a really fascinating cinematic experience for me this year. So, yeah, that's my uh, four. All right. Yeah. Also not an honorable mention for me. But at least I understand where you're coming from. 
it's a bit of a too much of a performance for me. My number and a, and a performance of a life of her life of her career so far to mm. me too for Emma Stone. So. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. She was great in it. All right, so my number three then is uh, the I guess do we do we want to say the return to form for one of a, a for a director that we always used to be very excited for anything that he was getting ready to put up, but uh, in the last few entries has been flawed to disappointing yeah, fair. um so this is uh, the latest from christopher nolan and oppenheimer basically telling the story of uh the manhattan project and the creation of the atom bomb i think um you know i think it has that kind of signature uh nolan aloofness and and coldness where it kind of holds everything at arm's length but at the same time it's it's gorgeously shot there's a lot to read there between the lines with what's being said versus what's not being said. And it has some very creative uh, fl- uh, flourishes. And even for a movie that's being as long as it is, I did not even feel it while I was watching it. So it's my number three. It's a good pick, Matt. My number three then <laughs> is I'm suffering from a little bit of recency bias with mm-hmm. this film. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do with it. If you ask me in a month, it could be my favorite film of, well, favorite's a rough word, but the mm-hmm. my favorite film of 2023 and right now it's at three. Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest mm-hmm. uh, is a film that has really stuck with me. I have not stopped thinking about it since I saw it. I I can't describe it as a pleasurable experience. Maybe that's why it's not it, one or two for me. But it, of course, neither of the other two films I, don't know, I wouldn't consider theme park rides either. But Zone of Interest is such a fascinating time of these people trying to leave this traditional, almost idyllic lives while living next door to Auschwitz. And it is just a heartbreaking, overwhelming film that when you're watching the, as Matt said, I think that's, even though I think banality evil isn't quite the proper term for that, but it's just the juxtaposition of these people in their lives while the horrors occur around them. And they're just totally fine with it, going through their clothes, their belongings. Going, It's just... I don't think it's one of the more important films I've seen in recent memory. So Zone of Interest is my three for now. All right. So my number two, then, I don't think it's, gonna, it's obviously not going to make where we are now. I'm uh, going to make Chrysler's list at all. So I maybe I'll be berated here a little bit. But it's the latest from David Fincher, uh, The Killer, where it focuses on the a hired uh, gun a hitman who messes up a, an assignment and essentially basically tracks down where that assignment came from so he can tell that person in no uncertain terms to leave him alone or he's going to regret it. Uh, I think Michael Fassbender is great in this. He's perfect in this. It's got that kind of Fincher vibe to it. It looks fantastic. And I honestly, it was one of the few films of this year that I was really on board with from frame one. So I am a big fan of Fincher. I think it's excellent. So, and it's out there on Netflix for you to watch, which bonus, I didn't have to go to the theater to see this and I can watch whatever I want right now, which is, a plus. That's what it'll be next year. All ten Matt's ten films will be ones that he was able to watch at home. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, the killer was a, is an honorable mention for me. It's right outside the top ten. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it just didn't connect with me as well sure. as much as it did with you. I feel like maybe I need to rewatch it. I'm not sure. Uh, my number two then uh, came up earlier in Matt's list, and that is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Mm. Uh, it's Again, the story of this man dealing with the creation, what he's about to do with it, and the possible impl- implementation, or not implementation, the implications of everything that may happen afterwards. Though so he's more focused on the 
the act and trying to accomplish it to to end the war, but including all the stuff that happens in the background with the uh, the Un-American Committee. I'm I'm blanking on the words now. The proper name for that committee mm-hmm. uh, and the relationships that he had with these known communists, uh, featuring I think one of the better performances of the year, Robert Downey Jr. Um, as well. Uh, really fantastic performances all around. Practical effects. And Nolan gets back on the horse for me, uh, just as one of the best films of the year. It's my number two. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you're thinking of the, I think it's the House, House, of Eth- the House Ethics Committee on Un-American Activities, I believe is what it was okay. called. All right, so my number one then is The Zone of Interest. I don't think I saw a more uh, capital I important, moving, just disturbing film because it is, everything is just so ordinary and it really drives everything home for you it's it it, no other film had as much an impact on me as this film did and it is just like chris said it is a it is a hard sit like i don't know i would hesitate to call it as a fun film but as a work of film i think it's head and shoulders above anything else i saw this year I can't disagree with you. I even said, you know, I, I'm struggling with it. I may even shift it around. Ask me in six months. Ask me in three. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But my number one right now is oh, Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. When I watched it, I felt like that was the best film I'd seen that up to the mm-hmm. point this year. And that seems to have maintained that hold throughout the rest of the year as well. I think Lee Gladstone delivers another a fantastic performance, a performance for her life. The best performance of the year for me, hands down, across any of the performances I've seen. And I still think she will beat Emma Stone. I think it's one, two. But mm-hmm. I just think there's a subtle dignity and power to her that where Emma Stones is a little flashier and dare I, yeah. I don't want to say easier, but it's a little more easy to recognize, sure. I think, than Gladstones is. And Scorsese's story, or this true life story of this town and these even unassociated, unaffiliated groups working together to annihilate these people so they can get a hold of their oil-rich land is just uh, fascinating stuff. Leonardo DiCaprio, again, is good, but he's almost, for me, an afterthought. He does not immediately spring to mind for this film. For me, it's Gladstone and it's Scorsese, his direction. And the code of the film, the wrap-up, is just perfect. So uh, for me, when we talked about it, Matt got mad at me, and maybe <laughs> rightfully so. I think this is one of his best films, and mm-hmm. it's uh, an amazing work, and uh, yeah, needs to be seen. Killers of the Flower Moon, Matt. Currently available on Apple TV. You can uh, watch it there if you, if you have the Apple TV Plus. You can watch it. So uh, that's it. That's our uh, five through one. Matt, any honorable mentions for you? Yeah, I had quite a few. So I think I've already mentioned Mutant Mayhem. This is my; these were my fun surprises part of the list. Uh, yep. Mutant Mayhem, uh, Evil Dead Rise, I thought was very fun for an Evil Dead film. I thought VHS eighty five was a lot of fun. Um, other than that, stuff we mentioned: Godzilla minus one, No One Will Save You, They Clone Tyrone, um, yep. uh, The Boy and the Heron, which we didn't mention any at all. I think so far, which I I really enjoyed. Um, American Fiction, The Holdovers, Tetris, that Tetris movie on Apple, I thought was quite fun too. Yeah, I would throw in EO, though don't watch it. That was one of the most disturbing fil- I cried after watching that film. I was so upset because that's, I'm so, you know, being vegan and you're like connected to the animals and all that stuff. I just, I couldn't handle it. Uh, Matt's uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, one in his top 10, Cross Spider-Verse, Asteroid City, I think it was Return mm, to yeah. Form for yep. me, for Wes Anderson. We talked about Dial of Destiny, Barbie. I had fun with Barbie. Saltburn, one of Matt's favorites of the year. I don't know how it didn't make his top 10. <laughs> Talk about the holdovers, Matt to the boy in the hair and bottoms I mentioned last week. American fiction, you have that right. Yeah, I'm with Matt on all of those as well. 
So uh, there it is, folks. Those are the uh, 10 best films, our 10 favorite films from uh, 2023. Cannot wait to see what happens this year. What were your favorites? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Speaking of which, Matt, what's coming up next week? So we're catching up with uh, Jason Statham and The Beekeeper, it looks like. And it looks like we may either watch either Lisa Frankenstein or a film called Out of Darkness. I'm leaning towards Out of Darkness myself, but me and Chris will discuss and we will come up with a solution there you go uh in the meantime check us out on facebook twitter instagram youtube do a search for the first run scroll 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 eventually you'll find us head on over to apple Podcasts, give us a review it'll help other people find the show we ran out of, out of time to talk about taylor swift oh, next man. week i promise you tune in next week and we'll get all your your taylor uh, suppose we may even have travis kelsey on as a guest i, I don't know i'm hearing <laughs> rumblings people are saying at the very least saying. jason at the very least jason kelsey yeah, so you have to tune in next week to find out. <laughs> and that's a big show for this week. Uh, please, I can't find my soundboard. Where is it? There we go. All right, everybody, take care of yourselves. Uh, we love you very much, and we will see you soon. Eighteen hours ago, we lost a chopper carrying a cabinet minister and his aide from this charming little country. We've got a transponder fix on their position. About here. This cabinet minister, does he always travel on the wrong side of the border? Apparently they strayed off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan! You son of a bitch! What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? Huh? Had enough? Make it easy on yourself, Dutch. <laughs> okay, okay, okay! You never did know when to quit, huh? Damn good to see you, Dutch. <laughs> <laughs>